You are listening to What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Welcome back to episode 65 of What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Today we will be reviewing VHS from 2012 and VHS 2 from 2013. So since it's Tim's turn to go first, we'll go ahead with VHS from 2012. Take it away, Tim. So it starts off with this uh, criminal gang uh, just running around and they're filming everything on like a camcorder and this criminal gang they're like breaking and smashing walls and windows out of uh, abandoned buildings and light fixtures windows whatever spray painting and destroying them and sexually assaulting women a woman in a, a parking lot where he actually takes away from his girl her boyfriend runs up and they show her tits on camera like sexually assaulting and on camera with their faces showing that's uh, quite a lot so they're talking about making, they make money off these videos, like 50 bucks a pop. And they're talking uh, that there's an anonymous, sor- anonymous source that offers them a very large sum of money to break into a house and steal one single VHS videotape. Of course, the gang's going to accept this. So they do. Entering the house, the criminals find that the man, old man sitting in front of a bunch of televisions, uh, listening to white noise, like the tapes had already finished. And he's dead after, after they get there and they're worried about it. It turns out he's dead. So they didn't have to worry about waking him up. And while the other criminals roam around, roaming around the house, Brad stays behind the TV room with the dead body and watch to watch the tape left in the VCR. Well, then it like cuts to a different scene, like it's like you're watching the video, but you're watching the video like firsthand, not like you're watching it on a screen. And then you have uh, these three friends that uh, rented a motel room to fulfill this uh, Shane, the one guy's uh, intent for bringing women back for sex. And they talk the uh, plant into wearing glasses with the with a camera in them, you know, so they can kind of like Google glasses, but they're hidden camera ones and hidden camera and a microphone in them. And they uh, plan an encounter to encounter do an amateur porn video. While the three men are bar hopping, Clinton encounters Lily, a mysterious young woman who appears unusually shy and says little other than I like you to him. And other than that, that's about all she says. And she's actually a little like at this point, I'm thinking she's She's on some heavy drugs or something. <laughs> it's, it's got that feel. In addition to picking up Lily, men also succeed in convincing another young woman, Lisa, to return with them to the, to the motel room. Lisa passes out of Shane's attempts to initiate sex, which she was all for until she passed out. And Patrick, the third friend, discourages him from continuing, saying it's wrong. You know, she's not. You can't do it. And because there's three of them, the, everyone's in the room. He doesn't continue. I think if he was alone, he would have. But Lily continues to awkwardly coming on to Clint. But it's Shane that comes to comes on to her instead. Kind of almost pushes uh, Clint out of the way. And Clint notices that Lily's feet are clawed and have scales as he undressed her. But Shane and Patrick are oblivious. They don't care. Lily appears uh, responsive, pushing Shane onto his back. And then beginning undress Clint. Seemingly beginning a threesome. Overwhelmed, Clint gets, goes to the bathroom. Because he just... he. It's not the way he wanted it to happen. And he doesn't like the idea of, you know, secretly videotaping. Patrick disrobes and attempts to take Clint's place. But Lily's made it clear that she dislikes Patrick. Moments later, Patrick bursts into the bedroom, a large cut on his hand, claiming that Lily bit him. Once they approach, when they approach Shane, Lily suddenly sprouts fangs and attacks and kills Shane. Like, like lifts him off the bed and everything over into the corner. Clint and Patrick hide in the bathroom until Patrick, still nude, completely nude, top to bottom. Arms himself with a shower curtain he rips out off the shower. And then he returns into the room and Clint tries to wake Lisa as 
Patrick attempts to fight Lily, but she subdues and pounces on him, drinking his blood and ripping off his genitals. Like, literally just rips his cock and balls and throws them on the floor. This is kind of a brutal, brutal beginning. Yeah, you get to touch the ass. You do get to see a little bit of penis, but it's not the way you wanted to see it, even if you did want to see it. So, Finn escapes the room, but ends up falling down the stairwell, breaking his wrist uh, with a compound fracture in the process. And he's got the glasses on. He can see how I mean, I don't know exactly how they did this, but this is a, this is one of the impressive parts of the uh, film. Lily catches up to Clint. Her face is hideously contorted, but instead of attacking him, she attempts to perform fellatio on him. She starts going down on him. Clint's unresponsive. Lily believes he rejected her. Goes, I thought you liked me. You don't like? It's like, Jesus. yeah, he, he just killed both my friends. I fell downstairs, broke my wrist. But no, sure, go ahead and give me a head. Okay. Yeah, messed up. Starts... So she starts to cry and then begins growling angrily. Clint flees, bringing, uh, begging bystanders for help. But suddenly he's lifted in the air by Lily, who is transformed into a winged creature. It's revealed that Lily is actually a succubus on the hunt for a mate. The glasses fall off Clint's face as Lily carries him away, hitting the ground before the foot of Jens. It's like, shit, bro, that's fucked up. So back in the main story, the criminals, uh, with the criminals again, one of the criminals discovers that Brad, person who stayed to watch the tape, uh, is missing. Meanwhile, the other criminals search the basement and discover hundreds of unmarked VHS tapes. So There's only looking for one, remember? And begin collecting them all and ensure they get the right one. One of them manages to catch a glimpse of some strange figure on, on camera, but doesn't want to back it up and stop the camera from going because they want to keep the camera going. So the strange figure wandered off before they could, while well, they're gathering tapes and the other guys just dismisses it, says, I, I, I don't, I think he just seen shadows or light. Like, the criminal upstairs rocks, replaces the tape in the VCR with a different one, and settles in to watch it. And, again, you kind of sucked into the what's on the VHS tape. And all these VHS tapes have all the little, like, squiggly lines and, the, like, a tape error, like, feel to them. A little overly done, but does give you that VHS feel. Well, Sam and Stephanie are a married couple traveling to Arizona for their honeymoon. Starts off fine. Stephanie recording and documenting everything along the way. That night, they visit a West End-themed attraction known as the Wild West Junction where Stephanie receives a prediction from a mechanical fortune teller dressed as a prospector. This thing is creepy in itself. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather it be one of those uh, regular fortune tellers. The prospector one, I don't know, something about it just creeped me out. The prediction claims that she will be happily reunited with a loved one, and that she will also very trustingly and easily be taken advantage of. Sometime later, a strange woman comes to Sam and Stephanie in the motel room and awkwardly tries to convince Sam, off camera, to give her a ride somewhere the next day. Well, they're watching this this woman like go back and forth outside the room, walking up and down the street. There's, there's something weird about this. But she he he comes in and he tells tells her. So it's not like he uh, hid it from her. Middle of the night, while the couple are asleep, the mysterious mysterious stranger breaks into the room, turns on the camcorder, and films films himself stroking Stephanie's buttocks with a switchblade. The intruder then steals a hundred dollars from Sam's wallet and dips his toothbrush in the toilet. Yeah, just randomly, just break in. Steals money and dip his toothbrush in the toilet. Obviously, really likes him. Next day, on their way to the Grand Canyon, Sam notices missing money, accusing Stephanie of taking it. But she assures him she did not. Apparently, in the past, she's she spent a lot of money on herself, but she's never lied about it. That night, the stranger enters the room again and repeatedly stabs Sam in the neck with a switchblade, filming him uh, filming him as he chokes to death on his own blood. The camera then shows the killer, a woman from earlier, dressed in a porcelain mask, which pulls off her mask, cleaning the blade with. While she and Stephanie make out passionately, revealing the woman is Stephanie's lover. The recording cuts to Stephanie and her lover driving away. With Stephanie asking her lover if she has 
erase the footage. It's like, yeah, just basically, I don't know who he was, but it seemed like Sam and her were on our honeymoon. They've been together a while, so this is messed up. It's twisted. So I'm going back to the supposed real time, back to the main story, and Rox is left confused when what he's just witnessed. Unknown to him, however, the old man's corpse has disappeared. Back in the basement, the other two criminals debate on why the tape they're after is so special. And also oh, plan to make copies so they can make extra money and and, and then you know just sell it to other people if it's really worth that much money. And then uh, the film transitions to the next tape, Tuesday the 17th. A group of uh, 20-somethings, Joey, Spider, and Samantha, accompanying their new friend, Wendy, on our annual trip to, the, to a lake located in a nearby forest. Joey's filming the group. Wendy leads them through the woods, occasionally mentioning accidents that took the lives of her friends, which you find out a little bit more about later. But when the camera scans certain areas, you catch glimpses of mutilated bodies appearing on the film. And apparently these things are showing up through the camera because while he's recording it, Joey's recording it, it actually, he sees glimpses of it, but not enough to the point where he can really make it out. And that's gone. Well, they discovered the mutated corpse of a pig nearby. And they're, oh, this is gross. Okay. One guy pretends like he's looking at it. The other guy starts to shove his head down on a the corpse. They're playing with the little intestines. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty gross. Shortly before, Wendy mentions uh, to everyone that they're going to die. She's telling everyone they're going to die. You guys are all going to die up here. It's like, what the, what the fuck? She's the one who invited these guys along. She's like, tell them. Plus, she invited them all along. You find out in the car. She invited the guy saying that the, the guy's saying that it was a, uh, only going to be him. And then she invited the girls, saying it's going to be a girl's weekend, just a girl's weekend. And then you don't even know why she invited the third guy, but I mean, the other guy, he's just kind of there. But they, they're just, Wendy Roulette mentions it to everyone they're going to die. And then they're relaxing and smoking weed by the lake, smoking a joint. Wendy tells the others that the lake is the uh, same place where the murderer killed many people years earlier. But the group laughs it off as a joke. Although one of them did seem to know her about the murders. Uh, Spider and Samantha leave the group for a bathroom break. Suddenly, Samantha is killed with a knife and is launched launched into her face, like from a ways away. You can see like a weird glimpse of it on the camera, and then like it's phasing in and out. Spider admits to uh, attempts to run, but is stabbed in the head repeatedly by the culprit in the same way, with the the, the things kind of phasing in and out of existence, the person or the creature, whatever it is. Featureless head and uh, obscure tracking areas known as the glitch. Back at the lake, Wendy, uh, Wendy's where Spider and asked where Joey asked Wendy where Spider and Samantha went. Where she answers, they left. Then awkwardly asked if he wants to have sex, like just point blank. So do you want to have sex? You want to fuck me? So what? Joey guesses that Wendy is serious about the story she'd been telling them from the murders, mentioning that he remembers hearing about himself, and she's insisting on having sex with him repeatedly. And he's like, "Don't want to have sex with me," and then she calls him a virgin and. Dropping the facade, Wendy reveals that she had been at the lake before, where the murderer slaughtered all of her friends, leaving her as the only survivor. She notes the police did not believe her and said that the killer could be could not be in two places at once. Wendy tells Joey that he that she lured them up into the woods as bait so that she could find and kill the glitch. As the two talk, the glitch walks up behind Joey and slits his throat. Wendy runs away, luring the glitch into a pit trap and then into a bear trap. The trap moment which traps it momentarily. She tries filming the glitch up close, but it continues to obscuring and tracking errors and slashes her hand. Wendy continues to run through the woods, warning anyone that she, anyone who finds the tape to never come to the area. Well, how are they going to find the tape if they didn't come to the area? It's just saying. She finds uh, Joey 
in his death throes. He's like walking around like he's like dying, but doesn't know what he his body just in his brain hasn't registered. He's dead yet and watches him die, fall and die. The glitch approaches Wendy before it better spikes and pales it. Wendy gloats the glitch, gloats as a, at the glitch as she walks away. As she turns around, it's gone. It reappears in a tree and pounces on Wendy, beating her to death with the camera. Then slashes her stomach, subsequently pulling out her intestines. And uh, Wendy's la- corpse is last seen twitching and shuddering violently as the camera glitches out, revealing that she is becoming a glitch herself. Yeah, this one's weird. <laughs> Then we're back into the real story, supposedly. You know, back back there. The old man's body is returned to the room, but Rox is nowhere to be seen. The remaining criminals, Zach and Gary, are confused as to where the others have gone, with Gary telling Zach to look through the tapes. Zach replaces the current tape with a new one and sits down to watch. Once again, you're taken into a story. Told through the entire series of computer video chats, this is the whole way this is done, Emily tells her boyfriend, and is inspired, he's an inspired, aspiring doctor, about a strange bump on her arm and how it reminds her of her accident when she had when she was younger, but she doesn't remember bumping it or anything, but it's like a lump in her arm and she keeps on digging at it. Well, after showing James around her apartment through the video chat, Emily hears a noise outside her door. After investigating the room, Emily witnesses a small ghostly child, Entity, rush into her room and slam the door shut, leading her to believe that the apartment is haunted. Hearing the noises again the next night, Emily attempts to investigate some more, only to discover the entity again when she turns around, turns on the light, disappears. She questions the landlord about disturbances or possible deaths in the apartment, and the landlord claims that no children have ever lived in the apartment complex ever, nor have any people died there. But Emily's unconvinced. During the next video chat with James, Emily nonchalantly digs up, digs the bump with her arm with a scalpel. And a meat fork. I mean, literally, like, poking at this huge hole. I'm <laughs> just going to town. It's like, holy shit. Like, yeah, okay. Anyhow, she's trying to extract the bump. But James urges her to stop before the woman becomes infected, promising to check it on himself when he arrives next week. Next night, Emily attempts to contact the strange child. She uh, she talks him into being in her eyes for her while she shuts her eyes so that it doesn't scare him. And uses carries a laptop. He's going to be her, her lookout. The ghostly child appears again with a similarly ghostly young girl. And uh, the children manage to knock her unconscious as James quickly appears to her apartment. The children are revealed to not be ghosts, but rather aliens, watching as James surgically removes an alien fetus from Emily's torso, revealing they are using Emily as an incubator alien-human hybrids. James, who has been working with the aliens removing fetuses for some time, questions the aliens how much longer they can plan to do this to Emily, he worries that she may not survive much more of it. Mentioning to them that the bump is a tracking device and aliens uh, erase Emily's memory while James breaks out some of, her, breaks some of her bones to make it look like she had an accident again. In their chat, badly injured Emily becomes believes that she sustained her injuries after wa- wandering into some traffic and in a uh, in a strange state of mind that she was dealing with because she's actually went and seen a psychiatrist that he talked her into and said that she was borderline schizo schizo and bipolar she reveals the doctor had said that schizo schizoaffective that's what it is and tearfully says that james deserves better a more normal girlfriend james assures emily that she's the only one he wants to be with but once their chat ends he begins to chat with a different woman this woman has the same bump on her arm and also believes james james is her boyfriend revealing the aliens that are using multiple people as incubators and he's just Instead of being out of town wherever he's supposed to be, apparently he's living multiple lives 
just to help with this incubation process. Yeah, this is twisted. Truly a twisted tale. And then you're back into the room again. You got both Zach and the old man corpse are gone. Missing. Gary, now the only one left, searches the rooms upstairs. He finds decapitated remains of Zach and is subsequently attacked by the old man, who has become a zombie. Gary attempts to flee downstairs, but he falls and twists his ankle and is killed by the zombie. The frame story ends with the camera left in the TV room, picking up a sound of a VCR starting in the last tape by itself. So then we're in another story, even though there's nobody left to watch it. On Halloween night in 1998, Tyler, dressed as a teddy bear and planted with a nanny cam, meets his friends, Chad and Matt. Chad, Matt, and Paul, dressed as a Unabomber, a pirate, and a marine, respectively. As they head to the Halloween party at a friend's house, only end up at the wrong place, thinking that they're the, that they're the first ones to arrive at this party and not realizing they're at the wrong place. They begin to experience a paranormal phenomenon. But they take it. They think they're at a realistic house, haunted house attraction. Like things are reaching out at them and stuff, and they're like freaked out by it. But you know, they just assume it's a haunted house. In the attic, they find several men gathered around a young woman, whom they have suspended from the rafters, apparently performing an exorcism. The men happen to be chanting "Cast you down" towards the woman, and the boys exuberantly join in. This alerts the men to their presence, and they react angrily to them being before proceeding physically to assault the young woman, causing some of the men to be pulled upwards in the into the darkness by an unseen force. More violently, the uh, threatening paranormal phenomenon then begin to occur as the boys initially flee, but realize they should try and rescue the girl. Returning to the attic, the boys untie her, cut her down, and get, try to get her to safety. When the girl is freed, the house comes to life with the poltergeist phenomenon, and ghostly arms rising up from the walls and the floors, concrete floors, and throwing things at them, uh, like vases and plates and knives, everything gets thrown at them. And they try to go out the front door, and the door like literally like almost comes to life and shuts itself. Like The window on the door becomes smaller and seamless. They wind up running down in the cellar and wind up managing to get outside to that way. Well, they get outside, and they exit the basement, and the boys pile into a car, and the, the girl carefully getting her in the back seat and get away. And the car abruptly stops, and the girl... Of stops and won't run and then suddenly the girl just disappears reappearing in the street before them walking away in a flock of birds with a flock of birds the boy realized the car has stopped on the tracks on the railroad tracks and the boys attempt to get out of the car as a train approaches but they're unable to do so because they only had like seconds so they literally are just lured to their death and the train smashes into the ca- car off camera killing and killing everyone inside during the credits, clips from uh, 56 are shown. So, yeah, this, uh, this, this, this movie is, and that's how it ends. And it's just, it's a, it's something. There's a, the gore factor. I'll get into it. First, we'll go over numbers. But, man, there's some things about this show that really hit the mark. And then there's other things like, what? <laughs> we'll talk about it. It's fun. So, uh, so what do we got for numbers on this thing? Well, when it comes to Rotten Tomato and shit, they gave it a 56 out of 41 cent. Uh, Google gave it an 80. One had a budget of a little over 240000 and made $1.9 million, So that's pretty good. When it comes to my overall thoughts, I wasn't too sure about this one since I'm not huge on the whole bond footage genre, but I did end up liking this one. It has a great story with some guys hired to steal a tape and end up missing or dead in the end. And in between, we get stories here and there. When it comes to that, it kind of gives me the 
vibes of 1972's Tales from the Crypt that we've reviewed in the past that had the same kind of concept, telling stories between the main thing. When it comes to Blood and Gore, I gave this one 4.5 out of 5 for Blood, and Gore was a solid 4. I'm pretty sure that's the best score that I've given since we started reviewing. And finally, the best part of the whole goddamn movie, titties and slight moments of bush. And for you ladies and some of you guys out there, you do get some wiener. So um, with all that, I gave this one a 4.8 skull rating. What about you, Tim? So yeah, this uh, blood and gore factor. We're going on a rating for that because we don't know. We get a lot of these that you think are going to be blood and gore, even with slasher movies. And we don't get much blood and gore. A lot of a lot of cutscenes. This does has cutscenes, but it's got a lot of blood and gore showing. Literally, all of a sudden, you hear his ripping sensation. You see your hand in the guy's crotch, and you see his manhood just laying on the floor. I mean, that's just one way of putting it. The broken bone thing when that guy fell down the stairs and bro- had the compound fracture. That was really, really well done. Didn't look like CGI, so I'm pretty sure that that was... I don't know who did the makeup on that, but they did a really, really good job on it. And it was like that throughout most of the movie. The cutting of people's like stomachs and getting the intestines, that looked pretty damn good, too. I don't know how they... I, it was impressive. Some really impressive work on that. Storyline's good. I don't mind that these guys died, the ones that were robbing them, because they were assholes complete assholes the way they treat that woman in the beginning and stuff so you know it's kind of almost like a revenge like i'm happy you're dead mother <laughs> mm-hmm. so for that that actually added to it i'm not a fan of the jumping back and forth thing but once you get to the end it makes more sense don't know what you're getting into at the beginning this one can be a little bit confusing so i would say four skulls because of that because it can be confusing it's almost like you you got to remember everything it's one of yeah. those movies yeah but the gore factor, this is one of the best we've had up to this point. I mean, we've got another one to go over here in a minute. But up to this point, watching movies, this is probably the goriest movie we watched to date, to this point. And I watched yeah. these in order. So, yeah. So that's where I'm at. Well, I think that'll be it for this movie. So we'll move along with VHS 2 from 2013. All right. It starts with tape 49, as it's labeled here. College students, mother requests a wellness check from a private investigator. So his name is Larry, him and his girlfriend, who I can't even pronounce her name, so I'm just going to call her Larry's girlfriend, look into the disappearance of this woman's son named Kyle after breaking into his dorm. They discover a large stack of VHS tapes and a laptop that contains footage from tape 56, which is from the first movie. After clicking off the video, Larry's girlfriend discovers the laptop is still recording. On this laptop recording, Kyle discusses the VHS tapes, and Larry tells her to watch the tapes while he inspects the house. As she watches the tapes, a figure appears from behind the shadows. And here's tape one, basically. It's called Phase One Clinical Trials. In a doctor's office, Herman Middleton... It's fitted with an eye implant to replace his right eye, that uh, was damaged from a car accident. The doctor informs him that Herman may experience glitches as the implant is still experimental. As he leaves the clinic, Herman notices a young redhead staring at him immediately. Returning home, Herman plays 
video games and goes to make a cup of tea. He returns to the kitchen to find his game controller far from where he left it at, and then his tea kettle suddenly crashes to the ground. Later, he sees what appears to be the outline of a figure lying under the sheets of his bed. But when he pulls the sheets back, the bed is empty. But when he looks up, he comes face to face with a bleeding, seemingly undead man and flees to the bathroom. After phoning his doctor that he demands he addresses the problem, Herman merges from the bathroom and encounters the man again, this time with a young girl who appears to also be dead. Herman runs back into the bathroom, does this a lot, and endures a night of banging on the door from the other side. He ends up sleeping in the bathtub. The next day, the red-headed girl from the hospital comes to his house somehow, saying that she experiencing similar situation given her her name is Clarissa. She explains that she was born deaf and has a implant installed in her ear, giving her to the ability to hear new frequencies, including the ghosts. So he can see the ghosts and hear them, but she can just hear them. Herman suggests removing the implant, but Clarissa says that will just make it so that he can't see the ghosts, but doesn't get rid of them. As Clarissa claims that the ghosts will get stronger and more dangerous, one pays attention to them. An overweight, bloody man in his underwear appears behind her. Herman alerts her to his presence, but Clarissa says she already knows he is there and that he is her uncle, who, according to her, wasn't a nice person. Clarissa and him end up having sex to divert his attention away from the ghosts. Sometime Later, Herman awakens and sees Clarissa sleeping on the couch. He finds the young girl in his bed and flees. Before witnessing Clarissa being dragged into the pool by an unseen entity, despite his best efforts to save her, Clarissa drowns. Running back through the house in an attempt to escape the ghost, Herman locks himself in the bathroom yet again and uses a straight eraser to cut out the implant. The ghosts of Clarissa and her uncle appear in the bathroom as Herman tries to escape, but he unwittingly runs into the young girl and man ghosts that end up strangling him. The man grabs the implant, still attached to the razor, and shoves it deep into Herman's throat, killing him. That's the first tape, and then you go back to Larry and his girlfriend. Back in the frame story, Larry's Girlfriend calls Larry into the room where they discuss the tapes. Larry tells her to continue viewing the tapes. She continues playing Kyle's video where he explains that the tapes must be watched in proper sequence to affect you. She finds a new tape and proceeds to watch it. And that one is called A Ride in the Park. After answering a call from his girlfriend Amy, cyclist Mike uses a camera on his helmet and goes on a bike ride through the woods of a state park. He abruptly comes across a terrified blood-covered woman who begs him to help her boyfriend before she begins vomiting blood. Mike sees several zombies approach them before the woman suddenly turns into one herself, biting Mike in the throat. After he manages to kill the woman, Mike straggers through the woods, bleeding profusely, before he vomits, blood too collapses and, of course, dies. 
pair of bikers show up, man and a woman, come across him and attempt to call for help. But Mike reanimates, attacks, and kills the man before attacking and biting the woman before she runs off into the woods. He begins devouring the man as the re- woman returns, having became a zombie as well. She joins Mike in devouring the man before he too reanimates. Hearing noise in the distance, the three zombies head towards it and find that the source is a bunch of people at a young girl's birthday party. The three zombies invade the party, killing several people, some of whom reanimate and attack the others. While trying to attack a man and his three daughters in their car, Mike notices his bloodied reflection in the car window, which seems to subdue his aggression behavior. After getting run down by a fleeing truck, he accidentally pocket dials his girlfriend Amy. Mike is shocked back into a semi-conscious state upon hearing her voice. Regaining some of his humanity, Mike kills himself with a discorded shotgun. That's the second tape, and it goes back to tape 49, which is Larry and everything. Back in the frame story, Larry enters the room and finds... His girlfriend staring at the TV, almost hypnotized by it, with a bleeding nose. After being woken up from the trance, she says she has a migraine. Larry leaves to find medicine as she seemingly puts in another tape. As she watches, the figure from earlier crawls out of the shadows and watches her. And the other tape here is called Safe Haven. A film crew posed of interviewer Malik... His producer, Lena, who is also his fiance, and his best friend, Adam, plus a cameraman named Joni, infiltrate a cult in Indonesia known as Paradise Gates in hopes of shooting a documentary about their mysterious ways. The film crew are invited inside of the cult's compound by a woman known as Madam. Inside, they find the walls aborted with bizarre symbols and school children in classrooms and women dressed in white garments. The crew meets with and interviews the leader of the cult, a man who is referred only as father. During the interview, Lena becomes ill and steps out. While searching for a spare camera battery, Malik overhears a private conversation between Lena and Adam, in which Lena reveals that she is pregnant with Adam's child. In the basement, Adam finds a woman with her womb carved out and strapped to a chair. The woman awakens and begins screaming and convulsing, causing him to run away, which I don't blame him, I would too. While father is being interviewed, a bell chimes, and he suddenly announces the time of reckoning over the intercom. The cultists begin a mass suicide by poisoning and gunshots, while Joni has his throat cut by father after interrupting his announcement multiple times. Lena is abducted by several women in surgical peril. Malik is shot dead by one of the cult members as Adam attempted to rescue Lena. An explosion knocks him back. After watching a figure crawl across the ceiling, he stands and attempts to go into the fiery room, only to be interrupted by father covered in blood with a cult symbol inscribed on him, who tells him the time has come 
and proceeds to explode into a cloud of blood and organs. Adam finds Lena on the altar with the cult symbol carved into her skin as well. He kills Madam, but is unable to save Lena, watching as a horned demon tears its way out of her body. As Adam attempts to flee, he is attacked by the cultists and schoolchildren, including Joni and Malik, who have all risen from the dead and turned into zombie-like ghouls. Adam escapes outside to his car and drives off, only to be rammed by the demon and gravely injured. As he crawls out of the car's wreckage, the demon looks down at Adam before calling him Papa. The demon is, in fact, his child, and this child ends up pretty much driving Adam insane, and he is last seen just laughing hysterically at the camera as it starts to malfunction. Then you go back to tape 49 again, back to the frame story. Larry returns to the room with Madison only to discover that his girlfriend is dead, having killed herself with a gun. He sees a VHS tape that says the word watch on it, written on it, and lipstick lies beside her. Larry picks up the tape and puts it into the player and, of course, watches it. And this one, thankfully, is the final one, called Slumber Party Alien Abduction. Brothers Gary and Randy attach a camera to their dog named Tank. It's like this little fucking shit of a dog. Anyways, to film videos at their lake house, lakeside house. Their parents leave on a romantic getaway after giving them a list of chores. Larry and Randy invite their friends Sean and Danny over to the group can harass the brother's older sister Jen and her boyfriend Zach and her friends. While the group is swimming at a nearby lake, ambushing Jen and her friends with squirt guns filled with urine, they fail to notice a gray alien hiding beneath the water. I didn't fail to see it. <laughs> Later that night, the group startled Jen and Zach during sex by blaring loud music and flashing lights. A deafening noise is heard, but the group does not know notice it. Jen and Zach attach another camera to Tank to catch one of the boys masturbating to a porn movie. The deafening noise is heard again, and the power goes out. Seeing a figure outside the door, Zach goes to grab Gary and Randy's father's gun. Suddenly, Zach is grabbed by the alien from earlier, along with other others of its kind. The aliens abduct the rest of the group, sealing them in their sleeping bags in an attempt to drown them in the lake. Only Gary... Randy and Jen, plus their dog, escape, running into the woods to hide. After Tank alerts the aliens to their location by barking, I knew that was going to happen, the kids run towards what they believe to be police sirens and lights, but it turns out to be a trap by the aliens who abduct Randy. Jen and Gary flee to a nearby barn where the aliens drag Jen away as Gary and Tank escape up, up a ladder. As the aliens close in on Gary, he is suddenly pulled into the air by the alien ship tractor beam. As Gary is pulled into the air, he is unable to hold on to Tank, Tank's leash, and Tank falls to the ground, and the impact loosening the camera from his back, which comes to his face. Morally injured by the fall and unable to move, Tank whimpers as he slowly dies. And then you go back to Larry again. After watching the tape, Larry watches the webcam footage 
and sees Kyle explain that he and his mother want to make their own tape. Kyle then attempts suicide on camera by shooting himself through his jaw, but survives with his lower jaw shattered and runs off moments before Larry and his girlfriend enter the house. As Larry watches it, his undead girlfriend suddenly rises and attacks him. In self-defense, Larry breaks her neck and rushes into the other room as she rises and chases after him on all fours. Larry hides in a closet and shoots her in the face when she finds him. Hearing a strange gargling sound, he explores the closet only to find Kyle has been hiding there the whole time. Kyle lunges at Larry and strangles him to death. Afterward, Kyle is giving the camera the thumbs up, revealing that he and his mother's plan has been successful before turning off the camera. And that's the end of the movie. Uh, when it comes to Rotten's tomato scores and everything, they gave it a 70% with an audience score of 51. Google gave it an 84. Um, I couldn't find a budget for this one, but it did make a box office score of a little over $800,000. And when it comes to my overall thoughts, well, again, we got another great movie to go along with the first one. The Blood and Gore would be 5 out of 5 for both. They were definitely better than the first one. Again, the stories between were awesome. In my opinion, much better than the first. Again, we get plenty of titties. We did get one wiener shot in the beginning of the movie. But after that, nothing really else after that. The only thing I didn't understand was during the zombie cult member chasing Adam. Why the fuck were there two people fucking? That made no sense to me. Like, not sure how that went with what was going on, but okay. And speaking of that part of the movie, I really hated when that thing was crawling out of Lena. Her legs looked fake as hell. You could tell they were like fake legs. But overall, after all that, I gave this a rating of five skulls. What about you there, Tim? So the uh, agreed, the fucking, not only fucking, but there was like blood splattering out while they were fucking. So I don't know what they were doing, but the... Every thrust of blood was splattering out of the wall in that little clip. I don't know what the hell was going on there, but that was really fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, the um, blood and gore factor. I think this is better than the first one for the blood and gore factor. There's even more of it. As far as m- making complete sense, it was some really whacked out shit in this movie. <laughs> it just was. This one was really fucked up. But yeah, the, like everybody shooting themselves in the head, committing mass suicide. It's like, everything's just it took a turn in a major way you're starting to think you're kind of figuring out what's going on i thought it was gonna go a little weird but it went way weird way fast at the end what looked like it was gonna slowly ramp into something just became like utter end of the world chaos within a few seconds and you forgot about did you mention the fact of uh dada (laughs) at the end the Mm -hmm. fucking demon calling him dad it's like okay so you're mad your dad tried to leave you and you tried to keep him there Okay, you creepy winged, like, minotaur creature thing, you? Yeah. But, uh, which, by the way, was not badly done either for the creature. At first, mm-hmm. it looked a little weird while it was starting to, starting to evolve, and, like, I don't know, I think it's just still forming. Walking down the hall, look kind of skinny and scrawny, kind of weird, like someone with just a horse mask on kind of thing, with horns. And then as it, like, finished up at the end, that thing was kind of cool looking. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the fake leg thing, that was... That was definitely that was the, like the worst part of all the uh, blood and gore that was just bad. Other parts yeah. look really good. 
Yeah, it was like the worst part of the whole movie, my opinion. Yep. The uh somehow the uh guy that was on the bike realizing what he was doing and blowing his own head off, though that was a little unexpected because it didn't seem like any of them had any thought processes left. The wife came back and ate the husband. <laughs> he just comes back, oh no. Which also doesn't make sense because wouldn't he have turned before her? So he died for I I I got a little confused on parts of it. But if you don't nitpick it, freaking things blood and gore fest. And yes, you got plenty of your titties. And we did get we did get Bush too when that fucking vampire chick got naked. Yep, yep, you did. You you got yeah. We got it all, boys and ghouls. <laughs> but yeah, my my overall rating on this one be a four point five. Yeah. So yeah, I think that will be it for this episode. As always, if you got any movie suggestions, you can always email us at whatinthewhorepodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our Twitter account. That's whatinthewhorepodcast, all one word. We also have a Discord. But as always, I've been Lando. And I've been Tim. And we are the fuck out of here. You were listening to What in the Whore. See you next time. Ha 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 ha.